your Bibles tonight, you can remain standing, First uh, Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17, this is our fourth message in this series on Elijah. And uh, we looked at him there in the very beginning of this chapter, and we see a man named Elijah the Tishbite, who was a mountain man there, and he was chosen by God to go before the king and, and the most powerful man in the, in the world at that point. And uh, told them that God was going to take away the rain. And we understand uh, how they would have felt about that statement and the threat that Elijah brought to them. And so God sent him away for safety to the dry brook Cherith. And we see him during that time being fed by the ravens and the brook uh, that provided the water to him until the brook ran dry. And God had a new place for him, as we saw last week. And he went to the widow of Zarephath. And instead of him being a help to her, God used her to be a help to him and the the time of humility that it took uh, there with Elijah. And now as we get here to verse 17, uh, he is still with them. And there's a, a trial that comes in the midst of that house. And we're going to f- see what God has for us through that tonight as we begin here in verse 17. It says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And the sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times. And cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Tonight we're going to look here at this text at another day in the life of Elijah. And the title for tonight is Another Day in God's Will. Another Day in God's Will. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us and the privilege that it is to be here in church tonight with this group of believers. God, I pray that you'd help us, God, to be able to put the worries and the cares of this week aside for just the next few moments as we look here in First Kings chapter 17, Lord, that we would receive exactly what it is you have for us to receive. Lord, speak to us all, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We go through the days of life, and in our lifetime, we've experienced many good days and many difficult days, many trials and many times of blessing. And the longer we go in life, uh, not only does one day feel like the rest, but one trial will often uh, feel like the rest. I remember as a, a young adult, 20 years of age, about to marry my, uh, my, my new bride and my only bride. I need to make sure I, I keep that clear before you tonight. And I remember those days of finally being on my own out of the dorms at college and, and moving on to what adult life was. And I remember the first time I opened the mailbox and I had a, a bill uh, that seemed a little little steep from what I expected it to be, or uh, taking care of certain maintenance at at the house that we that we were living at, or maybe our AC going out and how big of a deal that was, or the, uh, the first time that we broke down in our in our car and there's no one around but the two of us that can that is there to take care of us or help us. And I remember 
as, as those problems came early in those, in those adult years or us living on our own, how big of a deal they often were and how much we would worry about those things or how we didn't know how to handle this or, or that problem. But after a while, those things and difficulties as they came didn't cause as much grief or worry as they originally did. Do you have time? Can you think of that time in your life? And when those difficulties came or in, when the AC would go out or when troubles would come or that bill would come, it really turned into just another day. You know, we look at Elijah, <clears throat> and Elijah has already had, uh, just in this chapter as we read, plenty of days where he was not enough. Plenty of days where he really wasn't doing anything and he was waiting on God and, and, and plenty of days where a trial or a, a what would cause the flesh to worry came and he continued to trust God. And as we look at Elijah in the will of God and as we look at Elijah in another day in God's will, we're going to find him in another difficult situation and again see him trust God through it all and see what God does on the other side. So as you look at this uh, another sermon, another day in God's will, the first thing we see tonight is another test. We look here in verse 17, and as a certain amount of time came, as we know, it was, uh, I, I believe, quite a bit of time as he was there waiting every day for God to again fill the, fill the barrel of meal and to have the crews have just enough oil in it for the day. As another day came in their life, God brought this trial into that family. And the son of the widow who God was using to help provide for Elijah finds himself sick and then brought to a place where the Bible says there was no breath left in him. He fell sick and he quickly died. And as we look at what's going on here, we're reminded of what God said in last week's text as we look there in verse 8 through verse 16. And we saw God promise them he was going to sustain them. God promised them that he was going to provide for them and they were going to live through this time of famine that came and this, this dryness, this drought that came to the land. But now God... The one that promised to sustain them is allowing one of them to die. It's confusing as you read that because he promised to feed them until the drought was over and then he allows one to die that he promised sustenance to through sickness. It doesn't really make sense as we look at it. And as we look at our life and as we think of the things that may come in our life, many things that happen to us don't make sense, do they? And that's why it's important for us to know, as we've mentioned often this last year, in, as we find in Isaiah chapter 55, that God's ways are not like our ways and, and his thoughts are not like our thoughts. So as difficulties come, even when it doesn't make sense to us as we are in the will of God or as we are in a place where God is trying to speak to us or help us or bring us back to him, his perspective looks a lot different than our perspective would. And as Elijah may not have expected this to happen in his life and may be caught by surprise by it, what he has come to understand is even when God's ways do not make sense, you can trust him. Regardless of what problem comes or regardless of what trial may, may be brought up in our life, we need to learn to walk with our eyes on God. Learn to trust him and understanding that God can take care of us in every situation. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 37, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Problems are going to come in your life. Trials are going to come in your life. And we can address them with God or we can address them without God. 
And as we see this happening in Elijah's life, he has a choice to make as, as this begins. And we see the, the son that has lost his life, and now we see the hurt mother. And as we look here in, in, the, in this text and in this chapter, from what we've been told and how we understand it and what it's very clear to, to, to be right now, this is the only son this woman had. It was her and her son in that house. She said, we're going to eat. Uh, last week you read that verse. She said, we're going to eat the last of this meal, and then we're just going to die. She didn't have much hope in her life. And as this time period has gone through and God's continued to provide what they needed uh, for food and the oil they needed to cook it, her only son is dead. You can imagine this, this woman had expectations as this boy was going to grow into be a man. She had dreams for him. And as a widow and not being able to provide for herself, one of those expectations would have been as soon as he's old enough, he's going to be, be able to take care of his mother. He's going to be able to have a job and be able to bring uh, money in. And now this young man is dead and the hope for her life, not just for her son, but the hope for her life is starting to dwindle. Because Elijah's not going to be there for her whole life. Those dreams are shattered. Her heart is broken as, she, as this happens to her, her world as she saw it, was turned upside down and not what she expected it to be. If we look in verse 9, God told her and, and had her prepared for the drought that was coming. She was, he was going to use her to sustain Elijah. She knew the drought was coming, but she did not know death was coming. She knew the drought was going to come in her life, but she did not know that God was going to allow her only son to die. She's prepared for one of those things, but she was Caught totally off guard by the other. And as this shock comes to her life in this time of, of great confusion, first thing she does is she blames Elijah for bringing the judgment of God into her home. She even blames her past and the decisions that she made or the previous life that she led before God to be the cause for the trouble that she was having. So as this great surprise came to her life, she started to blame people and she started to, to think on herself and immediately think it was her fault that this was happening. And there's probably times in our life where we've had similar feelings. We can think of mistakes we've made or I deserve that one, I deserve that one. Or we can think of somebody that may have put us in a bad spot or, or hurt us at one point or another in our life. We've had similar feelings. That's a difficult place to be. And then we ask, why would God allow that? I, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to things to him. This, this woman, every day she woke up, she trusted God. She'd use all the meal, not only on her family, but then on Elijah. And every day God provided, she's doing what God wanted her to do. And we've seen this happen in their life many days. Why would God allow that to happen to her? And we may look at our life, you know, I read my Bible, I pray, I, I look to God, I go to church, I tithe, I do all these things. Why would God allow this thing to happen to me? Why would God allow that to happen in Elijah's life? You know, as we've looked at what's happened to Elijah, we understand God allowed these things to happen so they would learn to trust him and not their own resources. God did it so they would learn to rely on him more perfectly and, and wholly. They did it so they might be brought to a place of absolute dependence. And even if you are in God's will, even if you are doing what it is God wants you to do, God may allow a trial or difficulty to come into your life for that very same reason. Because as, as life is good or as the blessings of God come in our life, sometimes we start to think of ourselves higher than we ought to think. 
And as we may get closer and closer to that, even as we understand God is blessing us, as we go closer to those things, we sometimes forget the need that we have, the absolute need we have every day to live in, in, in dependence on Him above anything else. And when God brings us to a low place, we will learn to look to Him. I was reading about three different animals today. You could catch a, a wild buzzard and basically put this buzzard in a pen that has no roof on it, that is about six foot by six foot, and that buzzard will die in that open, open fence. Because a buzzard needs about 12 feet to run away and take off. They, uh, they always have to have that running start. The buzzard would never leave, and the buzzard would then die. Many of us have probably encountered a bat at one point or another in our life, as you may have gone to a, a cave or, or uh, up in the mountains or different places, you may have seen a bat. And if you were to take a bat and place a bat on the ground, many, most bats, if not all bats, would flop around on the ground until they die. Because bats achieve flight from an elevated position. That's why we'll find them on the top of a cave, then they drop and they fly. We don't see them taking off from the ground. They have to launch out into the air to begin flight. If you were to catch a bumblebee, and you could put that bumblebee in a, in a big jar or a vase with no lid on it, that bumblebee would never come out the top of it. They, they, if you do that experiment with them, you'll find them just hitting the glass over and over and over again. Never think to look up to find the way out. In all three of those animals, there is a way of escape. The buzzard, the bee, the bat, they, they fail to notice the freedom that is right above them. And as a result, they remain trapped in that prison, and we see this woman. She saw what was happening in her life, and she's in this great point of despair, and, and she thought she was facing punishment, and she thought God was hurting her, but in fact, God was helping her. She just couldn't see that at this instant. You know, sometimes in her life, as God allows difficulties to come, God is, is doing what he's doing to help us realize our need to look to him. And sometimes we, we focus on what we're dealing with more than we focus on him and what, what is going on in our heart and life. And the answer to the storms of life is found in looking to Jesus early and often. No matter what you're going through, look up. No matter what you're going through, look unto Jesus. We see what this woman was going through. And then we also see what Elijah was going through. Could you imagine the disappointment this prophet was feeling? As, as this young man dies, Elijah has been through a lot with them and, and, and with his God. And he trusted God to feed him there at, at the brook Cherith and to bring the, the ravens to him. And he followed God's call then to Zarephath. He's with this, this widow and her son and, and daily being fed. And the miracle day by day by day that came in their life, he'd seen God do the impossible. And even we think about this, this pagan widow woman and the work in her heart that God has done to this point, and how every day she understood more and more that that God was different than the God she'd looked to her whole life. He'd watched God feed her and her son in this time of terrible drought and seen their relationship and trusted him grow. And now Elijah sees these people that he's been with and watched their journey of faith grow. And that woman, as that difficulty comes in her life, Elijah's hurt by it already. Now she points the finger of accusation at him. I have, I have no doubt that this was a hard circumstance for Elijah and a difficult day for Elijah. And as we look at that and look, look at Elijah's life, we need to realize we are never more vulnerable to the attacks of the flesh and of the devil 
than when we are discouraged. This would have been an easy time for Elijah as the finger was pointed at him, as that trial was brought up in his life for him to, to question God or to possibly just, just leave for a while because this, this shouldn't have happened. You know, when, when we are discouraged, if we're not looking up, when we are discouraged, if these things happen in our life, we can be easily defeated. When we start to become discouraged, we need to run to God and look to God and find the help we need because if we don't, you'll be just another casualty in the battlefield. Discouragement is a tremendous tool in the hand of the devil. Have you ever heard of the, the old pastor W.A. Criswell? He's a pastor in, in Dallas for many years and, and well-known throughout the world. His sermons you can still find on, online today and his books. And He wrote a pastor's handbook many pastors will have in their office. And as, they, as Criswell's biography was written, the author told an inter- interesting story that Criswell had shared with him years before. And it went, when he was 10 years old, he had no interest in church or going to church. And this preacher named John Hicks came to his small town in Texas and preached a revival meeting. That man not only preached a revival meeting, but he also stayed in the home of the Criswells. And, and this 10-year-old boy with no interest in, in the things of God, when the invitation came, he, he walked down the aisle and he was saved that day. Years later, Criswell was uh, speaking about the day, the moment he was saved with a, with a friend of his. And as he was telling his friend about how, the time he was saved, he never heard that, that, that testimony before. And his friend looked at him and said, well, you, what name did you say? What preacher was that? And he repeated the story, Johnny Hicks. And his friend looked at him and he says, I, I just can't imagine that. He goes, I, I know Johnny Hicks. He was a, a good friend of mine, and he was here in the, the hospital in Baylor in his last days and the last weeks in the, as he dealt with an illness and, and until God finally took him home. He says, I sat by him. I saw this man in his deep despair and in this depression as all this was happening in his life. And, and this is what that old revival preacher that, was, that preached when Criswell was saved said on his deathbed. He said, Wallace, my life is over. My preaching days are done, and I've never done anything for Jesus. I failed, Wallace. I failed. That's the last words that old preacher ever spoke. He didn't realize how successful he had been just if, if he was to look at that one conversion. And as we look at that and hear that illustration, the lesson for us in that is in your obedience, if you are doing what it is God wants you to do, if you are obeying him, never diminish what God is doing in you or through you. If you're obedient to the Lord, if you're in the Bible, if you're praying, if you're in the will of God, never diminish what God is doing in you. You say, well, I haven't seen any fruit. Don't diminish that. If you're obedient to God, be able to lay your head on your pillow at night knowing you've, you've done what God wants you to do. Understand God has a plan and you are part of that plan. And if you are obedient to him and if you find yourself in the will of God, all will be well in the end. So we see this another trial in their life. The second thing tonight, we see another act of faith. So this difficulty, this, this, this time that came could have been something to push them farther away from God or to stop Elijah from, from trusting God as he was, but we don't find that. We find him acting out in faith to God. And there in verse 19, he says, give me, give me your son. And he carried him up to the loft where he stayed and, and he laid him upon the bed and he cried out to God to help him. And you know, at this point in Elijah's ministry, the biggest thing Elijah's done at this point is stand before the king and tell him the message God had him to tell him. We see him go to the brook Cherith. 
He waited, and God provided. He didn't have to do a whole lot. He just had to sit there. We see him now in Zarephath, and he wasn't the one taking care of the widow woman. It was the widow woman taking care of him. Another time of waiting. But now, he has an opportunity to minister to this family. And he's brought to a place where he needs to trust God for something that's never happened before. As we see this happening, there's a few things that we see from Elijah. The first thing is, in his act of faith, we see the spirit of peace in his heart. We look there in verse 18, she somewhat attacked him, didn't she? What have I to do with you? You brought this in my life, it's probably you that brought this judgment. I've, I've, been, I've been showing faith to your God and now this happens, he's shocked by the death. Being accused of being part of the reason this happened and as the finger was pointed at him, what do we see him doing? Acting out in a peaceful spirit. He didn't get upset and attack back. He didn't tell that woman she was wrong. He didn't lash out at her. He didn't even try to defend himself. He had a spirit of peace. You know, as difficulties come in our life, we should pray for God to help us to be able to react to difficulty just like that. I can think of many instances in my life where I did not react like Elijah did. How often does something unexpected happen? Or, or someone points the finger at you, or you're blamed for something, you're accused of something, and it may cause us to fall in the pits of despair. It may cause us to retaliate and, or just live in worry or fret, wondering why someone attacks us. Instead of taking it to God, we get upset and we attack back. It's happened. But as we look at what Elijah did, Elijah took it straight to God. And I want to encourage you tonight, you can do no better than to bring every problem you have to your God and to leave it with him. There's many problems in life. You ever had things you can't handle? Yeah. There's many things in life you can't handle, but you have a God who can handle it. What does Philippians chapter 4 tell us? With thanksgiving, bring all our needs before him, right? Be careful for nothing. But bring our supplications to him in the spirit of thanksgiving. And then it says, in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. We can't handle it, but he can. But we need to learn to take our burdens to him. We see that spirit of peace. And then we also see a heart of compassion. We look at Elijah and it says, He cried unto the Lord, said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and again cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. This loss hit Elijah in a very heavy way. As we already mentioned, he watched this woman grow in her faith in God. She's been kind to him. She's shown hospitality to Elijah. And now as this great need comes in her life, he's moved by that. And we first of all see compassion in his life toward this woman by his prayer. He, he took petitions to God on behalf of this woman and her son. And he revealed the heart of one who knows God and cares for other people. And, and as he doesn't have the New Testament, what he was doing was fulfilling the law of Christ. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
It's God's desire for you as a Christian. It's God's desire for you as a member of this church to bear not only your burdens and take them to the Lord, but bear other people's burdens. To have compassion for others in this church, to have compassion for the lost. That's, that's what we are to be doing as Christians. And this, this man is bearing this widow's burden in, in the presence of God. And I want to encourage you tonight, have compassion for others by, first of all, just praying for them and bearing, bearing their burdens. Pray for one another. And we see his prayer and we see how, how his heart for this woman, but we also see his humility in, the, in this point. And in verse 21, he was laying on the dead body of this boy. He humbled himself and he stretched himself out three times over, over this, the body of, of, this, of this child. And he knew, no doubt, Elijah, the prophet of God, knew what touching a, bed, a dead body would do to him according to the law. We've, we've referenced that a little bit in the ministry of Jesus and in the book of Luke on Sunday mornings. But no doubt, Elijah knew that dead body would defile him. He, he knew what that meant as he was touching this, this body. But the, the point here is Elijah was willing to humiliate and humble himself to reach out for another person. He's willing to, to suffer loss for, for an amount of time that, that there might be a gain for someone else. That is the heart of ministry. And may we, may we react and have compassion for other people in a spirit of humility and learn to feel the needs of other people and hurt for other people and, and care for other people and try to minister to other people, even if it means sacrifice on our part. We see the prayer of Elijah, the humility of Elijah, and then we see his request that he brought before God in his compassion. He said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. Elijah asked God to do something that to his knowledge had never been done before. If you look in the Bible to this point, we don't, we don't find record of a of a dead person being brought before this day back to life. Elijah hadn't heard similar stories of this. God hasn't done it for him yet. God hasn't done it for anybody else yet. But he says, God, bring this corpse back to life. That's a request of great faith. Elijah was placing this request before the Lord and, and desired it for the glory of God and for the needs of this one woman, and he trusted God for the unseen. He wanted God to do for this lady what has not been done for anybody else to his knowledge. He was moved and he trusted that God could do something about this. His faith was shown in his compassion in that prayer request. And as he was obedient to God, we see the spirit of peace, we see the compassion, and then we see the working of God here. In verse 22, it says, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah, and Elijah took the child and brought him down into the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. God did the impossible through this man. God answered his prayer. He raised that boy back to life because Elijah trusted God by faith. I had this quote for you. A faith that honors God is a faith that is honored by God. A faith that honors God is a faith that is honored by God. You know, we have many verses in the Bible along those lines. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22 says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. John chapter 14, verse 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
Two chapters later, John 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Those are promises to you in the word of God. Have you heard those before? We know them. And we hear them. We even acknowledge them, but our flesh thinks that won't work for me. But this is a big prayer. Or that's a big trial. Or that's, a, that's a bigger obstacle. That'll never work for me. And you're right, it won't. God won't answer the prayer of unbelief. Here's what James said along those lines. When we ask things of God, it says in James chapter 1, but let him ask in what? Faith. Nothing wavering. As we go to God with his knees before Elijah, just like Elijah did, he was confident that God could do what he was asking. He was confident that God could accomplish it. And as we go to God with our needs, as we go to God with our cares, as we go to God seeking his help in our life, ask in faith, nothing wavering. Don't doubt the power of your God. The rest of that that passage says, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God will not honor your lack of faith. He won't. God blessed the faith of Elijah, and then Elijah returned the boy to his mother. The last time this widow saw Elijah and her son, Elijah carried him up to the loft of the house that they, they lived at. He carried this, this dead, young, dead boy up. And the next time she sees them, he's bringing an alive boy back. A living miracle. Imagine the joy that filled that house when God worked that miracle for Elijah and the widow. And God eliminated their problem through his power. A couple weeks ago, we looked in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. It says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You can count on God to answer a prayer of faith in his will. You can count on God to care for you, to look after you, to hear your prayer in his will. You see, another test, another act of faith, and the the last thing tonight, another victory. Just another day in Elijah. As this victory came, we see there in verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in in, in thy mouth is truth. She doubted it before, but now she knows on what God did, that he was a man of God and that God's word was good. You know, as this victory came in their life, it grew them in three ways. And as victory comes in your life and as you trust God and and God answers, answers those prayers or God blesses in the ways that he can or as you go through trials, God allows certain things to happen. There's three things that can happen as we live in faith in those difficulties. The first thing that happened, God was trusted. She trusted God more than she did the day before. This widow says there, 
I know thou art a man of God, and, I, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. She had confidence that Elijah is who he claimed to be and that his God was who he claimed him to be. She trusted again in a greater way in the power of God. And as God works in your life, you'll trust him more. As God works in your life, as you act in faith and you obey the Lord or you look to him to help, at the other side of that, you will, you will trust him more. And not only will you trust him more, but just like the widow, the widow's view of God was changed and what God did through Elijah, people in your life will see the power of God in your life and will be strengthened by your faith. Might, might be a child in your home. As you act in faith to God, as you trust God in difficult situations, as you obey God in difficult situations, and as God blesses, it'll strengthen the faith of those under your authority. It'll strengthen the faith of those under your influence. It'll strengthen the, the faith of your spouse. It'll strengthen the faith of a coworker you may have. It'll strengthen the faith of an unsafe person you are witnessing to as they see God work in your life. It's worth it. Don't give up. And not only did they learn that God can be trusted, but they learned his word can be trusted. The word of God can be trusted. She expressed, not only was he, she, she knew that he was the man of God, but that the word and the promise of God can be trusted. She remembered that God, the God that allowed this miracle to happen into life every day and then brought her son back to life, possessed all power in heaven and earth and would carry out his promise. As I was looking at this, thinking of, of all that was promised to them before, before this day in their life, and then we look at what Elijah did, why would Elijah pray for the resurrection when it had never happened before? Because God promised to sustain those three people until the drought ended. That, that boy was supposed to be alive when that rain finally came back. And Elijah stood strong in that prayer and went to God in faith because he believed what God had promised him. And he trusted that God could bring this young man back in his will. They learned God's work and be trusted. And the last thing tonight, they learned on the other side of this that God's way is best. I don't know about you, but as I look at this, I don't believe that allowing a child to die was not plan A for any of them. I don't think they, they wish that would happen to be strengthened with God. It would not be a desired way for any of us to be strengthened in our relationship with God. But we need to remember tonight, God's ways are not your ways. But it is God's way that brings the best results. You know what happened in God's way? This widow was, was, was encouraged. This widow was strengthened and grounded in her faith. Do you think next, the next difficult thing that happened in this woman's life, do you think she thought to look to God for it, for help? Yeah. And that is the exact place that God wants to bring you to. As difficulties come and as we trust God, even when it, the way doesn't make any sense or we find it confusing or, or we're hurting in that time as we come to the other side and see what God can do or what God provided for us in the meantime, God wants all of us to understand as Christians we can cast aside all doubt and all fear, and cling to his promise. Not only was the widow encouraged and strengthened, but the prophet of God was strengthened. You know, Elijah, we're going to get into 
little more serious part of the story in the next chapter. And he's now ready for those things as they're coming in his life. Because God has proven to Elijah to be greater than the problem. He's greater than his hunger. He's greater than his need for water. He's greater than death. And as Elijah understood those things very clearly about his God, he understood God was greater than the problem. And as we go through difficulty, we will understand that we can trust God for anything. And when we truly grasp that, we truly understand that whatever need or whatever uh, lack of skill or insufficiency we may have, if God has us to do it and if he's commanded us to, to, to follow him in a certain manner, we are then ready to be used of him. When we truly grasp he's all we need, we, can, we are ready to be used. Does it mean the way is going to be pleasant? No. Does it mean it's going to be fun? Not always. But it's important for us to go through a growing process in our life so we can be better used of God. In the difficulties of life, we can find the encouragement just like they did. And we can find that our faith is strengthened. But in those difficulties, in order for that to happen, we must determine to be obedient and continue to trust God to provide for our needs. As we stay in the will of God, there's a lot for us to learn, and there's a lot of benefits for us to stay faithful in another day in God's will. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You in the will of God tonight?